Hello and welcome to this episode of Linux Tech and Hacker Culture. Today we're talking about mesh networking, subtitled The End of Your Lousy ISP. Kind of. To an extent. Uh, <laughs> let's get into it. Mesh networking is the future of how we access content on the internet. What a mesh network does is take the gatekeepers out of the equation and allows anyone to hop on the network. This type of network is not new, but some people are taking it to the next level. Instead of needing Comcast or another provider to allow you access to the internet, you could hop on any open Wi-Fi anywhere. Why is that a question? <laughs> this is how this is what you could do. This mixed with the DAT protocol and the Beaker browser could pave the way for a 100% decentralized internet. I'll be honest, that tickles my nerd fancy. While these networks exist today, we cannot be free of internet service providers. If you are on a mesh network that has no access to today's internet, you can't do much of anything. While you can visit sites that are on the mesh network, they will not be any of the ones you use in your day-to-day. This is okay, and any nerd like me rarely cares about something that, like that, as long as we can play around with cool technology. But the masses need Facebook, they need Twitter, and others like them to see value. This will take time and effort. Those of us that know decentralization will change the way the internet is built and used need to keep testing these ideas. We need to buy the devices that allow for mesh networking and set them up in our neighborhoods. Even if the only site we have on this network in our neighborhood is one explaining why this is all important. If you are feeling generous, you can even tie in access to the traditional internet through your ISP so people can still read email, see news, and access their favorite social media networks. With these networks being peer-to-peer, -peer, it makes the internet more free, as in freedom. When we use an ISP, we almost always sign a contract full of rules that no one reads. Since we are going through their gate, they have the power to kick us off, shut down our connection altogether. This kind of thing is much more difficult on a mesh network, since there is no one entry point. All nodes are the entry point. Instead of a funnel, we get a flood. I mentioned earlier that if we mix the DAT protocol with these mesh networks, we can build an internet that is completely decentralized, peer-to-peer, -peer, and has freedom baked in. Imagine what our internet would be like if the world was built of thousands of cities, ba city-based mesh networks, all interconnected, serving up websites built on the DAT protocol. The ability to silence a person online diminishes and our free speech is harder to dampen. This is the internet I dream about, and it is now becoming a reality. If you want to know more about the DAT network and the Beaker browser, there is a previous podcast about it, and you can check it out. So, what is mesh networking if anyone has not heard the term? Infogalactic.com states, A mesh network is a network type topology in which each node relays data from the network. All mesh nodes cooperate in the, in the distribution of data in the network. End quote. A mesh network is decentralized 
is the decentralized version of our typical model. Today we connect to Wi-Fi, transmit our request through the router, the router then talks to our internet service provider. Everyone that pays Comcast has to go through their gate to view a website. This begs to be abused, and we see it happening often in our news today. With a mesh network, there is no gatekeeper. If you are looking for a site on the mesh, your request gets bumped around until the node has the information you're looking for. Since there is often several routes to the same content on a mesh network, the chance of there not being a path is extremely small. The only way not to get the information would be if the content was removed or the server hosting the content was offline. The bigger the mesh network, the better. As more nodes join it to relay traffic, the more robust it becomes. If the original path breaks, the network will take you the next quickest route. These types of networks can be both wired or wireless, with the most common today being wireless. The idea was pioneered by the military, by militaries, I don't know which one exactly, probably the US military, and now has reached the public sector. The cost of the equipment has gotten a ton cheaper over the years, as in common with technology. Today, there are devices that are only $35, and they're called Raspberry Pis, as I'm sure you know, and these can be used to build mesh networks. In Catalonia, they have a network called Goofy? I spelled G-U-I-F-I, Goofy. Guifi, ah, there it is, Guifi.net, with over 30,000 nodes that are all peer-to-peer -peer and started when the big companies in that, in that area would not provide a good quality broadband network to the rural areas. In a city in Afghanistan that I cannot pronounce, they have their own mesh network called FabFi, which is open source and citywide. In my home state of Pennsylvania, there's a there's a nonprofit called MetaMesh. They are working to bring free uh, to bring free use of this wireless mesh network to the city of Pittsburgh. They also create and sell devices so anyone can help strengthen the mesh. Mesh networking is still new at this kind of scale, and most people don't understand that it is an option for their city or town. Keep an eye on projects like MetaMesh working to make mesh networking as easy as possible. It will take most of us to contribute by making or buying a device to talk to the mesh. Or even start a mesh. That you know, Because if there's not one in your area, then you kind of have to start it yourself. As we do this, the network will become stronger and reach further. Even if you're the only one in your area with a node, you are at least there. And it will take another person to learn and understand the potential for, there to be, to, uh, for another node to appear. Then the mesh begins and the process continues. It is our job as the nerds to do the hard work. If we want to see the internet better than we have today, we have to work for it. So let's get out there. Let's use what we believe will save the internet. I will say now that if you want to buy a device, MetaMesh will sell, do, does sell them. Um, through their store, and even though it's pre-configured for the pit mesh in, for the Pittsburgh area, it has all the settings that are required to just plug it in and pop on. If you're close enough to another node, that is, um, you can change it, and they do make it fairly easy to go in and edit the SSID and change some settings so that even if so, 
you can start your own basically with their devices. Their devices aren't as cheap as the Raspberry Pi since they have to buy, I believe they use the Raspberry Pi. They buy the Raspberry Pi, they build it all out, they put all the software on it, so it is more expensive. I believe it will be, I think, I think the small one is a hundred bucks and the bigger one is maybe 150, 200. So it is kind of pricey if you're trying to build out your entire city uh, by yourself, which that seems unrealistic, of course. But when you have a node and you start one and you stick it on the network, and you start making a network yourself, people will be on their Wi-Fi device and they'll chances are they'll look at the Wi-Fi connections and they'll they'll see, hey, this one's open and maybe they'll hop on and check it out. People also do war driving off and that is when you set up a Wi-Fi device, you drive around and you connect to a bunch and you as you're like navigating with a GPS so you're logging where the information comes from and where you're at and you can log all the open Wi-Fi networks and you can go online today and see all of these networks and which ones are where and which ones are open and which ones are password protected and if you have one of these nodes it will show up on the on these maps at some point in time as long as they're updated frequently and someone drives past your house of course or you can add it yourself it would be a good idea to name it something like um, you know free and open source mesh network um, that way another person in our mindset would be would see that and say oh this is this sounds cool maybe hop on it and check it out and if you have information on there the first thing they would see is the information they can learn about Mesh Network and they can learn what they can do to help make it even bigger and better by buying a device and sticking it on their house. And then if they're if you're close enough to them, the ones that MetaMesh sells, they will automatically connect to each other as long as they have the same credential. So if you don't change the name from PitMesh and you don't change a lot of things, it's fine. Of course, you can have in your homepage saying like, hey, if you buy one of these devices, you know, change these settings and then plug it in and it will connect. It's very, very, very cool. MetaMesh also has these enormous devices that can send signal like a few miles in one direction. Um, they're using that in the Pittsburgh area to send signal from their main location where they started to a smaller area um, a few miles away from them. But I don't know if these are for sale on their site, uh, but you can buy the small one, which is basically... Um, good for like a home, so you know, a typical router strength, but smaller in physical size. And the bigger one has a bigger antenna and it will be a much longer range so that if you're in a neighborhood and someone else pops on the network, they could potentially see your bigger node. And the bigger node is designed to be outside and so it's waterproof and it plugs in. You can even power it over ethernet, which is super cool. Um, I do have a couple of these devices thanks to a friend of mine who picked them up and ended up just letting me have them because um, I was messing around with them and he said just just keep them I was like um okay so I still have them and uh, I'm gonna power back up again and check and, and mess with them and see what I can do I am not close enough to their network to connect into it but I have them and maybe one day there'll be a long enough chain from their main location all the way up to where I am in Pennsylvania and I could join the network and contribute and stick on a, a website from from my server make it you know the DAT protocol using the beaker browser that's super cool this is the kind of stuff that gets my that gets my juices flowing this is the kind of stuff that makes me have hope for our internet future 
without these things, we are essentially doomed in our freedom as internet citizens. Netizens, I guess is the word. Yeah, netizens. Because we're at the will and the mercy of these big ISPs. And they have proven to us time and time again that they are not there for us. They're there for the profits. And that's usually what big companies do. And whether you believe that's right or wrong, it doesn't really matter. This is not a political show. Even though I'm a political scientist, by, by study, I'm not going to get into that. But we still had that problem. We still have to play their game, so to speak. And yes, we can put out regulation. We can try and have the FCC you know, make it a public utility. That's an uphill battle, and it's a fight. And I'm very happy that people out there like the EFF are fighting to make sure the internet stays relatively free, as in freedom. Uh, but it doesn't seem that way. And I also am worried that the legislation might give the government more control than they, than they should have over our internet. So this is decentralized. This is why decentralization and having a mesh network is so key, because no company can control it, no government can control it, like they can today. That's huge. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your time spending with me on this podcast. They're short, and I'm. I assume you're getting used to these. You know, they're not super long podcasts like some people out there. So thank you. Um, as you always hear, I have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash jrswab, if you want to finan- support it financially. There are some cool perks there I'm I'm setting up. Like, once you reach a certain number of, a certain amount of, like, money per month donated, I'm going to be doing, like, I'm going to be buying stuff on Amazon that I think, are, think is cool, and sending it out to a Patreon subscriber as a thank you once a month. So it's kind of like a, a you know, like a, a perk and a reward, thank you. And um, the lowest, I think the lowest tier is like a dollar. So, I mean, you could literally donate a dollar and end up getting like, I don't know, something cool. I'm not talking like a sticker. I mean, like something legitimate. Uh, so that's something there. And then there's other goals too, stretch goals that are like, you know, buying better equipment and stuff. But maybe not. You know, maybe, maybe we'll change it. And, and that's why I, I need all of your feedback to let me know what you want to see on the Patreon, what you think would make it more exciting and uh, help build the community that we have starting here around this podcast and my blog posts of us, us nerdy people trying to make the world a better place through technology. I appreciate your time. I appreciate all of the listens. I appreciate all of the, all the votes. I appreciate all the upvotes, all the comments on the blog posts. I appreciate all the interaction on Twitter, on Mastodon, on Minds, um, everywhere, um, even Gab has people saying stuff to me, which is interesting. I don't know how I feel about Gab, but it's cool. It's cool. You people that are there, I, I, uh, I appreciate your time. Thanks again. Until next time, guys and gals, stay nerdy, stay curious. Bye-bye.